two years ago I was diagnosed with cancer, which I was in a lot of pain with, so I was. And uh, I was in, to the hospital, and which had done a lot of tests on me, and my cancer was terrible bad, so it was. And uh, my friends was telling me about God's workers in Coleraine. So I went to God's workers in Coleraine, and I went forward to a lady and a gentleman, and they told me to sit in this chair, so that. And uh, when they left their hands on me, I told them what was the matter with me. I had a terrible bother with cancer. So they left their hands on me, and as soon as they left their hands on me, I felt a God touched me, so that, and some kind of heat coming into my body. And uh, it was all right. They prayed for me for the cancer, so that, and that was beautiful. I felt that I was cleared just right of the real. I don't know. God must have left his hands and cleared me right of the reel. But uh, a short time after that, a couple of months after that, I went to the doctor and he made an appointment for me for the sad bad. Uh, he thought that he made an appointment to go to Alton Gallen, but Alton Gallen was too full. So he changed me to call uh, to Oma, which he thought it would be a lot quicker. I went to Oma and I met this doctor and he put me through all the tests of the day for cancer. And he went out and he called a nurse, to, a nurse in, and which I thought I was getting terrible bad news about. And she sat and she watched the screen. And five minutes, ten minutes after that, she come and she said, Mr. Peebles, you have no cancer in you at all. So right off the reel, I knew God had left his hands on me. So that was good. I come and I told my fellows in Coleraine, which God's, uh, God's workers, which had happened. At that time, I had a wild pain in my arm as well. And I says, I might as well get my arm cured as well. So they put their hands on my arm. And again, I felt God taking everything from me. I was a milkman for 53 years, which could never drive a lorry hardly. And I was changing the gears with my opposite hand. The next day, when I was out my milk run, I was able to work wonders with my hand. No pain, rake or nothing. The other Saturday, I was in Coleraine here, and I just went up to my fellow workers, and I says to them, can you put anybody off cigarettes? Which I've been away three, and paid an awful bit of money to get off cigarettes. And they, this gentleman says, yes, I can. And I was smoking 40 cigarettes a day. And that was Saturday, about 12 o'clock. And from 12 o'clock up to this minute, I haven't thought about a cigarette at all, or no craving, or nothing. Thank to God, and that's the only man that can cure me. And I live, I live my trust with God. Amen. The reason, again, we're showing you these videos is because we want to open our eyes up as a community to possibility. You know, God is able to do far beyond what we could ask or imagine. And sometimes we need to be able to see it and hear it and celebrate it in order just for that part of us to think, hmm, maybe there's more. Maybe there is more than we could imagine. And when we um, saw that story, I mean, just beside the fact that when he said, and then I was clear of cancer, which was good. You know, just, it's worth the video just for that. Um, you know, we're coming up to a time of having some healing on the streets training, and we want to just keep opening our eyes up as a community to what God is able to do. And he is able to do even far more than what you just heard about in that video, which is great. So... 
We have just finished a series here in the last few weeks uh, all about family and what God is like as a father. And that wrapped up last week. And today is a bit of a standalone talk, really. And it is called the 42-week challenge. Uh, Hashtag that might end up becoming a lifestyle. But we're going to set a challenge today for the next 42 weeks, which takes up to the end of this year. And my plan today is to explain to you what this challenge is that we feel God is inviting us into as a community, unpack some of the how we got here and why. Uh, For the competitive people amongst you, even the word challenge has got you excited already. You're like, I'm in. And for the people that hate competition and challenge, you're like, oh, but don't worry. The middle bit, I'm going to unpack a bit of why we feel that um, this is a next step for us as a community. Uh, And then I'm going to lay this challenge down for us and invite you to join us in it. So here is the challenge. What would it look like if in the next 42 weeks, every person here who has said a yes to Jesus in some way saw one other person give a yes to pursuing a relationship with Jesus and saw five people healed as a result of them praying. There's the challenge. That may leave you with a whole mix of emotions and reactions. And all of those are totally normal and acceptable. Whatever reaction you're having, whether it's joy, excitement, expectation, or terror, all are normal and quite acceptable reactions. And I want to explain a little bit about why we feel like God is inviting us into this challenge that we hope will become a lifestyle for us. And really, some of this is going to seem like it's jumping around, but I'm hoping by the end that you will have heard our heart and what some of the the journey that we have been on in coming to this point. So at the moment, we are rewriting um, our Plugged In Guide, the little booklet that tells you everything about what goes on at Ashford Vineyard. And uh, Rosie Dunning has been up through all hours working on it, and it's beautiful, and it's almost ready to go. And in that guide, or whether you've come to a newcomer's lunch or something like that, you might have heard our values. Now, our values are the things that we hold on to as we go on a journey to bring life to Ashford. And one of our values is this. Jesus is in the middle and everyone else is round the outside. Now, if you've not been around us for very long, that seems like a bit of an odd thing to say because it's based around a model of how we planted this church and how we do church. But you may have never heard the story of that. And I'm going to just set this as a bit of a context this morning. So the value is Jesus in the middle and everyone round the outside. And that is based on this, which is... There are different ways that organizations are set up. And this isn't just churches, the centered set one with the cross in the middle is, but there are different ways that organizations are set up. So if you imagine a tennis club, if you will, in a tennis club, you have people that are in the club. They might have a membership number. They might have a particular uniform. Uh, There'll be a code of behavior and a code of how we operate when we're in. And then there will be people that are out. They are not in that tennis club. It's the same in multiple, multiple organizations up and down the land. Many, many times there is a code. There's this circle which says these people are in and you can identify them. And these people are out and we can identify them as well. Now, many churches are also set up this way. 
which is that there is a culture of in and out. So when you are in the family, if you like, or in the family of God or in church, there is this idea of a certain code of behavior, a certain way that we need to respond, we need to act. This is who we are in this place. Often there's a building involved, which is like we are a part of this, we're in. And those people that don't follow Jesus or don't believe in him are out. And then there's this word called evangelism. And that carries all kinds of connotations. If you've grown up in church, then you may carry a whole load of different perceptions on what evangelism is. And in a traditional church setup, what this can sometimes look like, not always, but sometimes look like, is people that are in going out, getting people, and then convincing them in some way to come in. And then there is something where they cross the line. There's this moment where they cross over from being out to being in. And very often, this is like a praying the prayer moment. This is which we don't read about in the Bible. There's no specific prayer. Um, but there's like this idea that, well, now you're in. You need to behave like this. You need to act like this. This is how life works. And the unfortunate thing about that is it can, it can leave a culture of in and out. It can feel to people like churches are exclusive, you have to be a certain thing, you have to behave a certain way, and then you are in, you are acceptable, and if not, you're out. Now, Ashford Vineyard was planted based on a model, that we, we didn't come up with this, by the way, we cannot claim this, uh, which is a centered set model of doing church. And that is an understanding that Jesus is in the middle and everybody in the world is somewhere around the outside. Some people are walking towards him. Some people are walking away from him. Some people are standing still. Some people might be walking one way and looking over their shoulder. Some people might be running towards him. Some people might be stood there caught between looking one way and the other and they just don't know where they stand. And this model is very, very, very precious to us at Ashford Vineyard. And it's really important that we understand this as we look at this challenge that we're laying out for the year. The reason it is incredibly precious to us is because this model says, what if the way we treated people didn't matter as to where they were in relationship with Jesus? What if the way we loved people, the way we respected people, the way that we got alongside people didn't matter according to their position in that model, if you like? And that for us is incredibly precious. This is at the heart of why we came and planted this church in the first place. And it's been a hallmark of how we have sought to do life in introducing people to Jesus, which is that our job is not to make anyone do anything, but instead to act as signposts that point people towards Jesus. Now, here's the thing. There is, on that centered set model, somewhere a dotted line. There is a dotted line where at some point there is a decision that someone makes where they say, I am walking this way. I've decided from now on I'm walking towards Jesus and this is the way I'm going. And somewhere there is this point of a decision that they say, do you know what? I'm in. This is what I want to do. I want to walk towards Jesus. Now, it's not our job to work out where that line should be and it can be in different places for different people. But the Bible definitely does tell us there is a point. There is a line and a decision at some point where someone says, I'm giving myself 
to you, God. This is what I'm about. You can have all of me. And in fact, in the Bible, we read about that in the book of Romans, which is a letter written to the church in Rome. Uh, It says here, if you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from death, then you will be saved. For it is by our faith that we are put right with God. It is by our confession that we are saved. The suggestion that there's a moment there somewhere. And then in 2 Corinthians, which is a letter written to the church in Corinth, it says, anyone who is joined, I think this one will come up, anyone who is joined to Christ is a new being. The old is gone, the new has come. Now there's something in there that suggests there is a moment where you say goodbye to that old way of living and that old life, and you say hello to a new way of living and a new life. But as I've said, churches get very, very caught up in where this is and how we make people do this. But instead, we need to acknowledge it's a both and. Both are true. People can be walking in all directions around Jesus and it's not up to us to make a judgment as to where they are. And it's true that there comes a point of a decision where someone says, actually, I want to follow Jesus and I want to walk towards him. And this is really critical to remember as we look at this challenge. If I could tattoo something on you all as you left here, it would be this. You cannot make anybody do anything. You can't make somebody fall in love with somebody else. If you've ever seen the film um, Bruce Almighty, then you will see that he basically says to God, "I I want her to fall in love with me. And God's like, I'm out. I can't do that. This is not something which should be a burden to us as a community that we feel like when we look at a challenge of what would it look like for me to see somebody give a yes, that decision for Jesus, it shouldn't feel like a burden. It's not about manipulating people, making people into projects. It's about loving people and being more intentional about how we're inviting people into those decision-making points. So our job is to be signposts. And you'll see up here that in the book of John, which is a book written about Jesus' life on earth, it says this, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Jesus says, when we lift him up, he does the bit that only he can do that we can't do. As we lift him up, as we say, look what my dad's like. Look what freedom looks like. Look what hope looks like. Look what joy looks like. As we say this and we signpost, he draws people to himself. So this is another one of those both ands. It's like it's not down to us and we have a part to play. Both are true. It's not the case that we can say it's on God. He's just going to do it all and he's just going to go around zapping people and making them fall in love with him. He's chosen for whatever crazy reason that I'm still going to wait to ask him when I get there. He's chosen to use us. He's chosen to use us to get to his children and to show them what he is like as a father. And that is our part to play. So that is the tension, really. On the one hand, it is about people moving in all directions and some walking towards, some walking in a way. And on the other hand, there is this moment of making a decision to say, I'm walking this way. And I think what bridges the tension for us between those two is a verse that is very precious to us because it was the verse we felt God give us when he invited us to plant this church. And that is in the book of John. It's John 10.10. And it says, I have come that they may have life in all its fullness. 
And that's what underpins our tagline here, bringing life to Ashford. Because what we see as the tension is that just by clothing someone or feeding someone or inviting someone out of a place of loneliness into a gathering environment, we can definitely bring life in some measure. We can invite people into all these things we do as Ashford Vineyard, and we can invite them into a greater measure of what life looks like. Life without isolation, life without loneliness, life with food, life with clothes, life with having your needs met, life without being judged. We can, we can introduce people to a measure of what bringing life looks like by all the things we do. And we believe the only way for someone to really experience fullness of life is in a vibrant, real, authentic relationship with God as their father. And both are true. So we can introduce people, we can do a measure of bringing life, and then somehow we hit a ceiling. And we can clothe someone, we can feed them, we can love them, we can understand them, and we can show them what God is like, and we will still ceiling out. Because actually, the only way for them to really experience life in all its fullness is to meet their maker, if you like, to meet their father and to know what he's like as a dad. And that really is the tension that we hold. And just a little analogy that might help you with this. I think you may have heard us talk about this before, but um, some while back, maybe 18 months or so ago, Chris and I ended up watching a documentary all about the London Underground. Uh, and it was called, I think it was called The Secrets of the Tube or something like that. It was all the behind the scenes of what makes the London Underground run. And there was this guy whose job it was to do all the signage in all the tube stations. And what he described was that he would imagine himself being a commuter going on every single route. And at various points in the station, he called them decision-making points. And he would make sure that there was a sign just before you got to that point telling you where you needed to go next. There was a sign as you got to that point telling you where to go. And that just after that, there would be a sign confirming that you're going in the right direction. You know, there's this huge science behind the signage of the London Underground because it is critical to the London Underground to keep people moving. Absolutely critical. If you've been at rush hour in one of the tube stations, it is critical to keep people moving. The worst thing is to have a whole bunch of people standing still in the middle of a walkway trying to find out where to go. And so this man's sole job was to work out the decision-making points and provide the best signage possible to get them there. And this is what I feel like God has been reminding me of as I've been preparing and thinking about this challenge is it's one thing to say, I will be a signpost, but it's another thing to be really intentional about how we signpost people and about confirming that people's direction of travel and saying, come this way, this is a great way to go. Ultimately, when someone gets to that last point on the tube where they have to decide northbound or southbound, they are the only person that can make that decision. You can't make anyone, whatever signage, you can't make someone make a decision about their destination. They're the only one that can decide where they're going. But what you can do is be really intentional about how you help someone find the way to go and the best destination for them. So to give you some context as to why this challenge and why now, well, at the end of 
last year and the beginning of this year, we spent some time with some mentors and some leaders who we greatly respect. And these people have never met each other or even, as far as we know, been in a room together. And it turns out that they ended up saying almost exactly the same thing to us. Now, when two people in two very different contexts say the same thing, then you start to pay attention, right? So the thing they seemed to say to us was this. Ashford Vineyard is hallmarked by creating spaces where people of all faiths and none, little faith, loads of faith, can come and be a part of a community where everyone is welcome and that they matter, where people are not judged according to in or out, that they were really applauding our signposting skills. And they were saying, this is great stuff. You know, you guys are really good as a community at creating these very blurred lines between church and community. And it's something we're very proud of. And they then said, how are you doing at creating decision-making points for people? How are you doing at creating moments where actually you've said, this is what my father is like, but about then saying, do you want to know him? And that was a challenge for us because it was a case of, we feel like we have done really well at saying, we can always do better, but we feel we've done well at saying, this is what my dad's like. But they were saying, what are you doing to say, do you want to know him? How intentional are you being about saying, do you want to know him? Rather than just keeping showing someone what he's like, how much are you actually creating decision-making points for people to say, do you want to know him? So we went away from there and we spent some time in January having an extended time of prayer and fasting and saying to God, what are you saying in this? Like we've heard it from two different people in two different places. What would this look like for us? And then we started to read a book called Scattered Servants, which is by Alan Scott, who is a hero of ours and who is uh, the pioneer with his wife, Catherine, of Causeway Coast Vineyard, which is the video you saw um, this morning, is in Coleraine. And they have pioneered a beautiful way of doing church. And we've, you know, they've been real heroes for us in learning how do you do church and community and, and kind of how do you blend these two together. And what did we read in this book well, it turns out we read the same thing for the third time. It was like God was really trying to get our attention. And what we read was, signposting towards Jesus is a beautiful and a right thing. And we need to be inviting people into moments to make a decision. We need to invite people into a moment that says, from now on, I'm walking this way. And that's what we feel that God is asking us to lean into as a community. This is what my dad's like. Do you want to know him? and to be more intentional and a bit bolder about how we do that. And over the years, we've seen many people make that decision, and it honestly is the best, best part of my job. To get paid to watch people's lives be transformed, I mean, who wouldn't love that job? You know, there are bits of the job which are hard at times, but that bit trumps everything else. To play a part in somebody's story where they realise how loved and cherished and precious they are and decide that they want to get to know God as a father, I will never, ever tire of that. And baptisms are like my favourite day ever. I love it. And in fact, Easter Sunday, get the date in your diary. Easter Sunday, um, we have our baptisms coming up. It is a big party. And, you know, what an amazing moment to celebrate people making those decisions to follow Jesus. So why the challenge? What you might say is, you know, actually, maybe God was just highlighting this to Chris and I and saying, you know, get a bit bolder, you know, be a bit more intentional. But we feel like 
something we've spoken about many times, if you've been around us before, is if you keep doing what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. And we have seen amazing life transformation happen in Ashford, but we want more. We want to see more people entering into that life in all its fullness, not just sealed out at the stuff that we can do to signpost. So, why the challenge? Why, why even count? Why make a thing of it? Why set it out as a mandate to us as a community? Because we're not disrespecting what has, we've got already, what God has been doing, but we want more. We want more life transformation. We want Ashford to be transformed from the inside out. And we want to be more intentional about doing that. I want to be bolder in not just pointing people towards Jesus, but saying to people, do you want to know him? I, I want to get bolder at that. This challenge makes me nervous, and this is a little bit my job. And I, like, it's not something that comes very naturally to me. It honestly brings me alive when I see someone walking towards Jesus, like that model. They're, they're walking towards him, they're starting to check him out. But I know that I've pulled back sometimes in those moments where I've thought, am I actually giving them an opportunity to say, I want to know him, and am I going to love and support someone through that? And the second part of the challenge around healing is if you've been around since we did the Boulder series, we've talked for a long time now about wanting to see more power, more of God's power at work in us and through us here at Ashford Vineyard. And we want to go beyond what we can do in our own natural ability. God is so kind and he uses all our natural gifts and skills to be able to point people towards him. And there's a point at which we have to say, use me to do the bit that only you can do. I cannot, in my own strength, see anybody physically healed. But with him, I can see a whole world of healing happen at my hands. We get to play. We get to do this. We get to play a part in this story when we surrender ourselves and just say, use me, use me to do the bit that only you can do, but I want to play. I want to be a part of this. And that's where the second part of the challenge comes. What would it look like if every time we saw or heard of someone that was sick, it became instinctive to us to say, can I pray for you? That we actually were able to get bolder at putting our hands on people and telling disease and sickness to leave their bodies. I think it would transform Ashford. And I think it would have a domino effect that would go on and bring more and more transformation. And what I would say is this, this has got nothing to do with Sundays as such. This thing, this challenge is not for here. This challenge is for us as individuals. That's what we feel God is calling us into, is a challenge for us as individuals, not us as a Sunday congregation. It's us as individuals. And that's really some of the reason why we're running the magnifying glass over healing on the streets at the moment. And we're having this training and we've got 75 people at the moment signed up to be trained isn't that great? Like 75 people going out into Ashford to partner with God to see him do the thing that only he can do. Like that's got to be fun and terrifying and fun. And it's okay if you're finding it terrifying. Honestly, this is okay. I've put at the bottom of this, I've told you all about the how. I've told you all about the why, sorry, of why do we feel like we want to take on this challenge. The how I have many pages of notes here, and the how is like two sentences. We don't really know, but we're going to try anyway. 
I don't know. How, how do you get someone to say yes to Jesus? I don't know. How do you see five people healed when you pray? I don't really know. But I tell you what I do know is I'm in. I'm in. I want to see the result of this. I want to see life transformation. I want to see people getting healed. And so even if I don't really know, I find that quite a safe place to be actually because I don't need to work it out for myself. I get to hang out with my dad and I get to do it with him. This is not about making people projects. Please don't make someone a project. Please don't go home and write 42-week challenge on a notice board and start making a graph and then start writing names of people that you're targeting for the coming year so that you can tick them off your list. Be intentional, yes. Love people and give people the respect they deserve by just loving them, even if they never decide to say yes. Love them anyway. God is kind enough that he loves us in spite of all of us and the bad decisions and the difficult choices and the way we decide to go. So please don't make people projects. Please don't start trying to manipulate people by every time you talk to them, slipping Jesus into the conversation in the hope, in the hope that they might suddenly have this light that beams down on them and then they're going to give their life to him and all will be right and you'll be like, I did that. That was so on me. Let's not make it that. Let's not make it that challenge. And let's not make it about in and out thinking and bounded set thinking. Let's not make it, we've got this many people in. Let's make it, we've introduced this many people to their dad. That's a much more fun challenge to be a part of. So really, that is the invitation that we are setting you. We said yes at the beginning of the year. I think that's where it starts. I think it starts with a, actually, God, I'm up for this. And Chris and I said yes at the beginning of the year. And as I said, we fasted. For, <laughs> we love food, by the way. Like, food is a love language for us. And, you know, we decided, you know what, God, we really want to hear from you more. We want to rely on you more. And fasting is a way for us that worked for that, where we just spent more time just want, being more dependent on him. And since then, we made the decision that every Sunday morning, we would give people an opportunity to say, I want to know God for myself. I'm, from now on, I'm walking that way. And since we've done that, we've seen 13 people decide in a decision-making point that they want to walk that way from now on. Isn't that great? Yeah. So good. But do you know what? I had to get over myself first because I had to think, but what if we say it every week and no one ever says yes? What if every week at the end of the talk, I'm like, and now would anyone like to say yes? And no one ever does. Wouldn't that just be terrible? And it was almost like God saying, uh, Nick. I think you'll find I'm the one that draws the people to myself. Like, did you forget that bit? And I'm like, oh, no, 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 that's right. I just do the inviting and then you do the other bit, the big bit I can't do. So take the burdens off your back. When you look at this challenge, take the burdens off. Get to know your dad better. Get to know what he thinks of the people that are around you in everyday life. And then tell him you've no idea how to match those two together. And then let him use you. Let him inspire you. Let him encourage you. And the thing that I've said yes to is I've said yes again to being a brighter light and shining more unapologetically for God and for Jesus in my life. I've, I've definitely ended up with a bit of a fear of what people think of me if I'm too Jesus-y. You know, I'm quite acceptable to people generally as a pastor because I don't necessarily dress or talk or act like what people think a pastor is and so generally because I will talk to most people I'm a level of acceptable like oh when I say I'm a pastor they're like really 
And I, I quite like that because actually it means that, like, okay, I can just be myself. And if I'm honest, I've developed a bit of a fear of, but what if I got too Jesus-y? What if I got a bit too much? What if I was a bit too bold at inviting people, do you want to know my dad? Would they not like me? Would they push me away? And I think what I've decided for the next 42 weeks is that I just want to shine brighter. That's what I want to do. You know, there's a brilliant bit in Matthew, and I'll finish with this. And this is really, if you could sum up the 42-week challenge, it would be this. Matthew chapter 5, this is from the Message Translation. It says, you're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there, on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. That's the 42-week challenge, really. Shine. Put your hands on people and be bold to pray for them to be healed. Talk to people about what you love. Be authentic. Pray fast. There are no formulas. There is no prescription for how we complete the challenge. And why are we counting? Because counting really matters. In the Bible, there's a lot of counting. If we'd have said that one day a little boy gave his lunch and it fed a lot of people, I'm not sure that we would have felt as excited about it as the fact we know it was 5,000. There's something about counting that allows us to celebrate. We count every bit of data through the door of the beehive shop. We know that we have clothed 70 women with free clothing since that, that dream came to a reality. Why do we count? Because it says something about the goodness of God and it helps us to celebrate. It's not about one-upmanship and who's got more on their tally. It says something about the goodness of God when we count and we say, look what he's doing. The fact we know 13 people in this context have said, I'm walking that way from now on, is reason to celebrate and says something about who God is like as a father. I'm going to invite you into this challenge. And like I said, I can't make you go northbound or southbound or do anything. But I do feel that it is good to invite us into this challenge together as a community. So let's stand. So I'm going to invite you just to close your eyes where you are. If you feel that this is a challenge that you want to accept, just put your hand on your heart. It's not magic. It just is a way of responding in some, ha some way. Father, you see us here as your children this morning. You see our hearts. You see our fears. You see our excitement. You see our expectation. And you see us as individuals one by one. Help us to be a community of people that this year and for every year after see the people in our lives one by one by one. And help us to be bolder and more intentional about how we signpost people to you. As a community this morning, Father, we say we want to see people know you for themselves in a vibrant, life-bringing relationship. We want to see the sick get well and we want to play. And just as you keep your eyes shut, as I said earlier, every week we are giving people an opportunity, if they have never said it before, to say, 
I want to walk that way from now on. I've been hanging around this Jesus guy and the more I see, the more I think, do you know what? I want to make this decision. I want to walk towards him. So if I could invite you just to close your eyes where you are. And if that is you, then just raise a hand for me and we would love to be able to, we've got some things we'd like to give you. We've got some things we'd like to um, share with you and we'd like to pray with you. going to worship now and I would encourage you to make this an opportunity to lay out to God all the reasons why not to take the challenge. You might look and think, oh, but what about this? But what about this? But what about this? This is a great time to do that in worship. Just tell him, I, I feel inadequate. I don't feel able to do this. I feel like this. He is such a good dad and he's going to meet you wherever you are. And I feel like this morning he's going to lift off you some of those burdens on your backs. Father, we thank you that you are for us, you love us, and you're inviting us to shine brightly this year. I feel particularly there are some people here who have been seeing people in their lives start walking towards Jesus, but have been too afraid to actually say, can I tell you about my dad? I'd love to tell you about my dad. And I feel like God is inviting us into a greater measure of boldness. And he says, do you know what? Even whatever they think of you, it's nothing compared to what I think of you. So I'd encourage you this week to spend some time with him, asking him, what does this look like for you? What does this look like for you going forward? What are those moments you stand in in the coming week, in the coming month, in the coming year where your heart beats a bit faster because you feel like he's inviting you to do something but you feel afraid? And as a dad, he says, I've got this. I've got this. Father, we just surrender ourselves to you. We thank you for all that you are and all that you say we are. And thank you that we get to do this with you. Father, I thank you that there is no guilt or shame that comes with shining. Where the enemy would try and sow thoughts of us being too much or not enough or it being our job to make something happen. I thank you that you say, lift you up and you will draw people to yourself. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org, or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week, and know just how loved you are.